0: God has said it many times. I know Darren has said it, and Steve mentioned it. It is amazing. Sometime if you like to be in the back row, hey, God bless you. I understand. Um, it's, it's a comfortable place. Um, but someday, make your way up, and it is a blessing to hear the people of God praising Him and uh, just singing out in worship to our Savior. It's just a, a great, great uh, thing to hear you sing. And what a, what a time of worship. So... um Good morning. morning. How are you? Good. God's grace does indeed find us. And uh, rarely, I'm fearful almost every time I get up in the pulpit with the proper fear of God. uh, It is a heavy thing to bring the word of God. And you want to do a proper job, you want to handle it correctly but today it's it's kind of a different Sunday since we're in a time of transition and I want you know last night I was typing my sermon out that's my habit I study it and I prepare but I like to be super fresh uh, in what I'm going to say and so Saturday nights are my habit of typing it out and at one point and I put some praise music on and I usually have headphones on so the family can still be the family and um, and I took my headphones off I looked at Karen And and I love her. And I said to her, I go, "Um, I'm tempted not to manuscript today. I'm tempted to just share from my heart. And she gave me to look like you're crazy. (laughs) Don't do that. And I didn't. I did actually do that. But my prayer today is that you will see that my heart will come through. The heart of our elder team, of the pastors here, will come through. in what I want to challenge our church with, what I want to challenge myself with, In terms of how do we move forward in a time of transition. And I want to let you know first and foremost that we have been praying for you. I have been praying for you. And can I tell you specifically what I've been praying? I like to pray scripture when it comes because then I know it's true. Then it doesn't just come from me thinking off the top of my head. I like to go to the scriptures and pray specific things for our church and for one another. And we all have dealt with some type of strong emotion this past week, I bet. And here's how I've been praying, Second Thessalonians three sixteen. Now may the God of peace Himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Philippians four six through seven. I've been praying that we would not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving we would bring our requests before God. Praying then that the peace and knowing that the peace of God, which is too good for us to understand, would stand guard over our hearts and our minds. I've been praying this from Numbers. It's a popular benediction. Moses proclaimed. He said this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is what I've been praying, and I trust in God to answer these prayers, and that He will continue to answer these prayers. My heart was full of joy last week. I know that's and sadness, like I said, so many different emotions. But can I just share how thankful I am, and how apparent it is that God used Scott Menez in our lives at this church? It has been a rough time. There have been times of great pain and sorrow. There's been times of persecution. There's been times where we've made mistakes as leadership. But yet it was clear to see that there were tears because God has used this man for such a time as what we have right now and what we had. And I'm confident that this church loves Christ more because of the ministry of Scott. And so now, I don't mean to be heavy, but there is a sense of celebration God is calling him on to somewhere else. Do you know that in my lifetime, I was talking with Karen about this, I was talking to my parents, very few times have I had an opportunity to celebrate a pastoral transition. Too often, the transitions are due to men falling in sin. And that is painful. That is heartbreaking. In fact, sadly to say, oftentimes for those who may be weaker in faith... It shakes them to the core and they may walk away for a period and get cynical. It shakes those of us who are strong, but this is not the case. We have a man who will be moving on and we know the gospel will go forth. And we can rejoice for a church that we know what they're getting, a man who loves Jesus Christ with all his heart and will proclaim the word of God. That being said, none of us as elders are going to be the ones taking this pulpit full time. We do not feel called to that, just to answer a question. We will be looking for a man who loves Jesus Christ and will shepherd this flock together with us. And we're excited and sad. We have every emotion you have. We've had it and still continue to have it. But today, I want to pinpoint and focus in on what then should our church be? What should we do? Let's just regroup and this is not going to be anything heavy. In fact, I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, how am I going to do this in such a short time? I'm going to throw out a lot of verses. You know what, myself, I'm not really a note taker. I, I said that to someone one time and they gasped. They said, you don't take notes during service. No, I don't. I like to listen and absorb it in. And, uh, and then sometimes God even takes my mind to other passages, and I like the word of God just to move. That's, that's kind of how I am. But if uh, we run out of some time, I'm gonna, like, some, I'm gonna be talking fast. If you wanna just jot down the verses in your time of devotion this week, in your time of scripture reading, let's remind ourselves of what we, as Grace Bible Church, are to be. So let's pray, and we'll jump into God's word. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your church. Father, thank you for this time where we proclaimed the truth of your word in a time of song. Lord, where we preached the gospel to one another. Our voice is proclaiming that you are worthy of praise and you alone are worthy of that praise. You are the name above all names. You are highly exalted. And the highly exalted one chose to reach out in grace towards us. And you found us. And your grace continues to find us, no matter what our circumstances, no matter where we're at. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your mercy and grace. And Lord, now as we look into your word, at what a devoted church looks like, Father, be with us. Be with me. Father, may your Holy Spirit speak through your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn, if you want to, turn uh, to Acts chapter 2 uh, right now, but I, I, I want to start off with a question. Kind of a silly question, but bear with me, I'm kind of a silly guy sometimes. What makes In-N-Out Burger so good? It's fresh, they pay well, right? I mean, there's lots of different different things, but now some people don't like it, but But what I would say is this. When you go to In-N-Out Burger, no matter what, you cannot argue with their success. It's crowded, it's got a line, you're always fighting to find somewhere to see. We always like say, okay, Katie, your job is to find the seat. We know what you want. We'll get you your little burger. All right, your job, find the seat. And she's like, looking everywhere, I gotta find my seat. Dad, that's only four people. I know, find a seat, Katie, that's your job. Okay. And we put our game face on to go to an <laughs> And we go there a little too often. But what makes it good? They do burgers. Fries, shakes, and drinks. It's consistent. Like it or leave it, it's consistent. You may think it's the worst burger in the world, but they do not do egg rolls. They do not do burrito bowls, breakfast food, tacos. I'm trying to think of Jack in the Box and like their 50 million menu, you know, pork sandwiches pressed together to look like ribs. (laughs) They don't do that. When you go to In-N-Out Burger, they do burgers. And yeah, I know about the secret menu and the whole bit. I could teach you it, actually. It is a little scary. But they keep it simple and consistent. They do burgers, shakes, and fries. And they do it to millions of dollars and billions of dollars. They do it well. What about Grace Bible Church? What should we be known for? What should we do consistent, consistently and with excellence? What should we be known for? And I know it's a jump to go with something as simple as burgers and fries, which in the realm of eternity is no big deal. But in Christ's church, we should do things with excellence for the glory of God, for the praise of Jesus Christ, for exalting Christ alone. There are things we need to do, they're not negotiable. And so people are going to say, well, what's going to happen? Will ministry stop? since change is happening? Will we even survive? I want to assure you this morning that by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone, not by the talents or lack of talents or our weaknesses, but by the grace of God, Grace Bible Church will continue to faithfully gather together and proclaim the glories of Christ. With the leadership and the membership and our attendees who call this church their home, we will, by the grace of God, be people who devote ourselves to Christ and his desires for the church. So what will we be known for? What will we practice with consistent excellence? What will, for lack of a better term, or just to give you the visual picture, what will be our burgers, shakes, fries, and drinks? See, we will devote our energies as a church toward four things. And they come from scripture. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. I would love to see this someday. I hope one day God has a rewind button when we are in glory and in heaven, and we can see the start of the church. Where we can see the apostles who were scared to death and denying Christ, Come, the Holy Spirit comes upon him with power. Peter preaches a message, and 3,000, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What a revival. What a start to the church. The gospel is proclaimed. People respond. And then it says this it jumps to this. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So what will be our devotion? It's pretty clear here in Scripture, I think that the New Testament church, the early church, is a great act to follow. A great example. We will see what their devotions are and really what the results of their devotion was. And our first devotion... Is this for the glory of Christ and for the glory of Christ alone, like the early church? We will devote ourselves to the teaching of God's Word. We at Grace Bible Church are committed to teaching you the Word of God, the whole counsel of God. We will treasure, teach, and follow God's Word because in it Christ is revealed and Christ is glorified. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The church starts here in Jerusalem And we are here today in Hollister, California because they were obedient and devoted to the word of God. They were teaching the word of God and they obeyed the great commission. All authority is given to me, Jesus said. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the boss, okay? Christ is Lord of the church. Christ is Lord of us. He has all authority and he says go. Now part of going is even what we're doing today. We're teaching you the word of God. We will teach it but we also go. We are going to gather together as a corporate body and proclaim and teach the word of God and we are going to go out and teach others to follow Christ. As we treasure and teach and follow God's word, it says this, Romans uh, James 1, 21, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and what? Receive with gentleness or meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Can I ask you today, do you receive God's word with a meekness and a gentleness, or do you receive it with a stubbornness? Do you fight it? Don't fight God's word. In God's word is salvation. Jude one three, Grace Bible Church, we as a congregation, we as the people of God are challenged and commanded to contend for the faith of, that was once for all delivered to the saints. Do you know we're in a battle? Do you know that the Word of God is devalued in so many places today? We're called to contend. What's the word contend? I think of contend, I think of a, a boxing, right? Who's the first contender? Who who who's training? Who you know? Boxing, no chance. All right? I do not want to get hit. So I don't have I don't have any idea, but I remember one time like putting on gloves with my brother, and it was a really bad thing um, for me. But I remember how tired I got just the one or two times I've done that. So when we contend, we train. And Well, how do we train? We gather together and we know God's word. We go home and we feed on God's word. We must be devoted to God's word, to teaching it, but also receiving it with gentleness. And then we fight for it we fight for what it says 2 Timothy 2:15 do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth we are praying for a man who understands that verse who will rightly handle the word of truth as elders as your pastors It brings us great fear, but we pray and ask for your prayers that we would rightly handle God's Word. It is a sobering and immense work. But it's so important, because we want to present ourselves as one approved. We know that God's Word is inspired and it's profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for correction. Allow God's word to be used in our lives to correct us, to make us more like Christ. At Grace Bible Church, we want to be like the psalmist in Psalm 19, where God's word is to be desired. God's word, we know it; it's perfect. God's word is healing. God's word is sure. God's word brings wisdom to the simple. I love that. God's precepts, they're correct. God's word rejoices the heart. God's word is pure. God's word brings true sight. God's word is true and righteous. God's word is sweet as honey and much better than much fine gold. We will treasure God's word and we will proclaim God's word for the glory of Christ, for our holiness, for our journey becoming more like Christ. We must and we will teach and treasure God's word. Like the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love the word devoted. What does devoted mean? You know, what, what do you think of devoted? It means a strong relationship. It can't be broken. When you're devoted to someone, when you're devoted to your husband, when you're devoted to your wife, you say there is nothing else. This is my focus. And we as a church must focus on the word of God and be devoted to it. So how does that even look? We will teach our children right now Across the street, our children are being taught God's word. It is of utmost importance. At youth group, we do not just gather for fun. We teach God's word. In your community groups, teach God's word. God's word will remain the authority that brings us to Christ. We will proclaim Christ as he is revealed in God's word. In his perfect inspired word. And we will also reach out to others and proclaim God's word to them. We will gather and we will go into all the world. And we will support those with our prayers and our finances. Those who also go and teach and proclaim God's word. Let's be a devoted church in the word of God. Second thing, for the glory of Christ, we will devote ourselves to the true fellowship that is found in Christ Jesus. Fellowship. What a misused word. We want to have and we will devote ourselves to Christ centered fellowship. It is very, very different than worldly fellowship. The word used is koinonia, and koinonia is a unity based upon what we share or have in common in Christ. You see, we do not gather together for a love of pizza. We don't gather together for a love of movies or a book club or our business ventures or building the community downtown association, which is probably great, but it's bigger than that. We don't gather for charitable causes. Our unity is not in political movements or ideologies. Our fellowship is not based on any nationality, it's not based on patriotism or any worldly affection or political cause. Our unity and our fellowship is in Christ. We must be devoted to that. We must fight for that fellowship. In a good way, fight. You know what I mean? That devotion where you said, uh-uh, you're not carrying this fellowship from me. Where we say, these are my people because of Christ. We are unified with one another because of Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, it says, that what was from, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, what we have heard, What we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. What they're saying is this is Christ. Christ was with the father. He was made. We touched him. We heard him. We felt him. God became flesh. This is very similar to John chapter one. Funny. It's the same author, right? John. So we have this, and then he says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. You may have unity with us. You may join with us in a common cause. And indeed, look, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with Christ And then, through Christ, we have fellowship with one another. Who can break that unity if we're truly devoted to that kind of fellowship? Are you willing to fight for it? I think we've experienced those who don't. I'm sad to say, it breaks my heart. Because our fellowship is in Christ. And if we keep our eyes on Christ alone, we can weather any storm. Because Jesus is with us and Christ is enough. And look at this. We are writing these things that our joy, verse four, that our joy may be complete. Do you know the joy that there is in fellowship? And this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Christ while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice, this, practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, look, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Awesome Fellowship we have in Christ. He is our unity. It is our love for Christ that propels and empowers our love for each other. Our fellowship is a partnership in the proclamation of the gospel. You see, we are bound in Christ like soldiers in a battle. Our gatherings then should be powerful times of worship and encouragement towards more love for Christ, more love for others, compassion for the weak and the lost, the hurting. We should have more joy in Christ when we gather together than we did before we met. More holiness as we encourage and move each other to love and good deeds, as iron sharpens iron. More service for the cause of Christ. More sacrifice for the cause of Christ. When we gather together in small groups, in our youth groups, in our Bible studies, as you gather for coffee, it should be a time of awesome, powerful fellowship in Christ. Are your times together, like any other club down the block, or are your times together awesome displays of the goodness of God through Jesus Christ? That brings unity. Philippians 1. I'm, I am. think I'm doing okay, but... It's getting a little little sketchy on time. Philippians 1. Look at verse 5. Paul is thankful for the partnership, the participation in the gospel. Pastor Scott just taught on this just a few months ago. Verse 7. We're unified and we have fellowship with one another because we are all partakers of grace. Philippians 1, look at 27 through 30. Jump down. Only let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are, and look at this example of fellowship. This is what our church is called to. Devoted to fellowship, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Yes, you can't leave out suffering. But you know what? When you suffer together... For the cause of Christ, you grow together. And your devotion to one another and your devotion to Christ grow. And they grow strong. If you've ever seen war movies, they're hard for many of us to watch, I understand. But I admire and am amazed at the brotherhood that comes to our soldiers. Why? They fight for each other. They're fighting for a common cause our veterans in World War II. What a generation who went into the trenches, stormed beaches together, sacrificed their lives. What a picture of fellowship. Ours is stronger because it's in Christ. Nothing should weaken us. So a devotion to the word of God by the grace of God Devotion to true fellowship by the grace of God for the glory of Christ. As elders, as your pastors, we will encourage and promote true fellowship in Christ with each other. Can I ask you, be in a small group and then pray and be part of powerful fellowship in your small group as you love each other, as you care for each other, as you share God's word with each other. I already know we could give countless testimonies of how this is happening. And so sometimes if you're not in a group, you probably get tired of of people saying, join our group, join our group. It's because they're experiencing powerful fellowship. And it's just because they love you and they want you to experience that too. And Christ will strengthen our church as we continue our devotion to the word of God and devotion to fellowship. The third, for the glory of Christ, Grace Bible Church will be devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, what is this? Now, I'm sure communion is is a part of this. God has called us to do and remember his death through bread and the cup until he comes. It is a command given to the church. We will do that, and I love our communion times here. So I think this is what Luke is saying, but also look down at verse 46 uh, of Acts chapter 2 if you want to turn back there, or just listen. But Acts chapter 2, to the breaking of bread. And look at verse 46. Day by day, we see the application of this. Day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The art of hospitality has sadly left our culture, I think, in some ways. Now some of you are gifted in that way and it just, it just naturally goes and we praise God for you. But we need to be a hospitable body. Loving and caring for each other. And I'm, this happens, but we need to be devoted to it. We need to continue and strengthen our devotion to this application of fellowship. We need to share with each other. We need to have glad and generous hearts. Being together and joyfully sharing in God's goodness to us. Celebrating our fellowship, joyful gatherings, glad hearts. When you get together, is it moan and groan session or is it God is good sessions? Because we know there's hard times, and there's times. And if something's hard, hug them and pray. Share God's word. But the early church, it was obvious that they loved to be together. Can I ask? Do we as a church do we love to be together? groups we love to be in our small groups come on Sunday and maybe disband for a few moments and love to be together as a corporate body and then go back and strengthen each other let as a congregation find time of Thanksgiving where we can share our joys enjoy God's goodness towards us for the glory of Christ we will devote ourselves to gathering together for the purpose of growing stronger in our love for each other. At the end of service, Jeff will have uh, an announcement of how we're going to do that just in the next couple weeks as we celebrate the Menez family. But as a church, I pray that we just get creative. It doesn't have to cost us money, but let's get times together. And maybe it will cost us money. It's worth it. Where we gather together as a corporate body, celebrate God's goodness, love each other, have glad and generous hearts towards each other. Fourth, for the glory of Christ, Grace Bible Church will devote ourselves to prayer. We must be a praying church. We must be a church who aligns our hearts and our minds with God's heart and God's mind. Romans twelve twelve says, be constant in prayer. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, Paul says this to Timothy, first of all. You ever talk to your kids and you say, first? Hey, first thing I want to tell you, what does that mean, moms and dads? It means, listen, this is first. First of all, most importantly, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then he goes on and says, pray for those in leadership, In authority. Do you know we're in a spiritual battle? Every moment, every day? Do you know Satan wants to come in and ravage churches? Do you know, sadly, he's successful sometimes? You know why? Churches lack being devoted to the word, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship, and they lack a devotion to prayer. Do not let your guard down. We as a church cannot let our guard down. Ephesians 6, it says, in the midst of a spiritual battle, uh, we put on the armor of God, it says to pray, to keep alert, praying at all times, persevering in prayer, never giving up on prayer. Philippians 4, we already said this verse, prayer is a remedy for anxiousness and worry. Pray. Romans 8, 26, this is awesome. We pray because we are weak. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Mind-boggling truth. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. God likes prayer. How do I know it? He aids us in it. He helps us in it. And he goes, Ah, Ron, doesn't know exactly how to pray right now, but I love him. And God the Holy Spirit intercedes before God the Father with groanings too deep for words. And my prayers, not by my own power, and your prayers, not by your own power, become perfect. Because God is perfect. And the Spirit intercedes. Church, come back tonight. Let's pray. Prayer helps us relinquish our will also. The Lord's Prayer. We relinquish our will, remind ourselves of who God is. We confess our sins, and then we say, Your will, not my will. And we're ready to do that because we've already reminded ourselves that God is good, God is holy, God is just, God is perfect, God is sovereign. What is the result of this? Look at verse 43 of Acts 2. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Boy, we could teach on that and we are out of time. Oh well. And then look down. And the Lord, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You want to know something? What is the result of a devoted church—one that was devoted to teaching, one that was devoted to fellowship, one that was devoted to being together in true Christian community, and one that was devoted to prayer? It was awesome, unexaggerated awesome. Now we say things are awesome all the time that aren't awesome. In and out burger. Right. That's good. We say awesome all the time. It was awesome. What'd you think of the waves today? They were awesome. What do you think of your new Christmas gift? It's awesome. Then it's broken a week later. God is awesome, but look at awe came upon every soul. When we meet, do we leave in an awesome astonishment and reverence for God, a reverence for Christ, because that's what God wants to do this is not exclusive, you know signs and wonders were being done through the apostles I'll tell you what's awesome you want to know what is true, a true miracle, every single one of us in here who knows Jesus Christ because we were taken from death into life, what a miracle, how awesome is that And then as we gather together and God answers prayer, we learn from God's word, we start saying, this is awesome. By the grace of God, my church is awesome. Not because of any person. I pray a hundred years from now when we're all dead, if God chooses not to come, that someone says, I have an awesome church in Hollister, California, because they're devoted to the word of God, they're devoted to fellowship, they're devoted to loving each other and being together, and they're devoted to prayer. God works in a church like that. Will you join together in this time of transition and be part of an awesome plan that God has? How do I know that? I'm going to close with this. Everyone, please turn to Isaiah 6. It's easy to focus on what the months have to come to get sidetracked. Change is hard. But Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, now, Scott's not dead. In fact, Scott is being moved to another ministry. But do you know in the land of Judah how many good kings they had? Few. Do you know how many Israel had in the divided kingdom? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's a big zap zero. Extreme disobedience. Ahab comes to mind. Jezebel. Ugh, terrible. Uzziah was stricken with leprosy for burning incense on the altar. So God did judge him, but yet he was a good king. He was a successful king. And he died. Judah had very few kings like that. And so a leadership transition was happening there due to death. Not the same as our circumstance, but here's what does not change. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw, Isaiah speaking, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. God is on his throne. God is holy. Will we answer the call and say, Here we are, Lord, as Grace Bible Church send us.